0: Today we're wrapping up our series called Follow Me, and I want to start in an unusual way today because I know it's still hot and humid outside, and I know it's still four months away, but I want to begin today by sharing a little bit of the Christmas story with you. If you remember, an angel comes to Mary and says, Mary, you're going to have a child, you're going to name him Jesus, and he and his kingdom are never, ever going to end. And Mary goes, wait a second, how, how could I have a, a child? I'm, I'm still a virgin. And the angel says the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and your child shall be called the Son of God. Let's look at how Mary responds. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Mary answered, I am the Lord's servant. Let everything you've said happen to me. Now here's something maybe you've never thought of before. What if Mary had said no? I mean, here she says, yes, let everything you've said, let it happen to me. But what if she had said no? What if she had said, you know what? You couldn't use someone like me for something like that. What if Mary had come up with some excuses? She was like, there is a lot better people out there than me. Or what if she had said, you know, uh, Mr. Angelman, there's some things about my life in the past that I'm, I'm sort of ashamed of. I'm a broken person. God shouldn't use someone like me. He should use somebody much, much better. Or what if Mary had said, you know what? I'd really like to do that, but this is an inconvenient time because like, I'm in the midst of wedding planning right now, and so you, know, you should probably choose somebody else. What, what do you think? If Mary had come up with any of those types of excuses, would God still have forced her to carry Jesus? What, what do you think? I I don't know. I mean, there's not a right theological answer, I don't think. But personally, I don't think that he would have. I think he would have chosen somebody else. Now, thankfully, Mary didn't say no. Mary said, let what you have said happen to me. In other words, what the angel was saying is, Mary, will you make room in your life for Jesus so that the gospel message could be born into the world? And Mary said, yes. But here's my fear. I'm afraid that too many Christians throughout North America, especially when it comes to making room for Jesus in their life, they say no to Him. I'm not talking here about like carving out like an hour or two a week so that you can come to church or tune in online or be a part of a life group or, you know, go out and serve in some way in the community. What I'm talking about is so many people have not left room for Jesus to actually make a difference through their lives in the world. That we come up with all kinds of excuses of why, you know I'm too busy, or there's better people out there that could do this, or I'm too broken. God can never use someone like me. In other words, we stay as infants in our faith. We're still spiritual babies, and we don't realize who it is that God has called us to be. That we're not just to be consumers, that we're ultimately to be contributors. Think think of it this way. Right now we have, I believe it's five children at Exponential all under the age of one. It's a lot of babies around here. That's one way to have church growth, right? (laughs) Lots of babies. And right now, they need their parents, they need their grandparents, they need us as the church family to do everything for them. Little infants, they can't do anything. They need to be fed and changed and, and, you know, just everything. There's nothing they can do on their own. And that's okay when they're less than one. But here's the deal. If your 13-year-old is still, you know, needing you to go, open wide, here comes the plane. There's something wrong with that. If your 17-year-old is still all about take, 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 and there's no give, 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 there's something wrong with that. You see, ultimately, all of us, and and what we try to do with kids is teach them that it's not just about being a consumer, that people aren't just going to always wait on you hand and foot. Ultimately, you need to be a contributor. You need to be giving back in some way. And see, it's the exact same way with our faith. You can't remain a spiritual infant. Church, and in the Christian life, it's not all about you. It's not about your needs and wants and desires. It's about, all right, Jesus, I'm growing in my faith so I can be a contributor for you and for your kingdom. It's so many people. They just remain as spiritual infants. I'll prove this to you. How many of you know some people that they've been a a Christian, a a follower of Jesus for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, and they're still meaner than a junkyard dog? You ever met somebody like that? You're like, hey, shouldn't you have grown up in your faith by now? But yet, many people, they keep living the first year of their Christianity over and over and over and over again. Spiritual infants, feed me, serve me. Now, I'll be completely honest. Part of the problem is pastors. We've sort of perpetuated this in a lot of people's minds because you know what we try to do? We try to have great weekend worship experiences for you. And we try to have great facilities and ministries and programs and things for your kids so that you and your kids are going to want to continue to come back. Now, there's nothing wrong with having great facilities and and ministries and music and messages. Nothing wrong with those things. But if ultimately it's only about you and what you want out of a church experience and only what you want out of being a follower of Jesus, then you've never grown up in your faith. Ultimately, you've got to realize that it's about you contributing back, giving back to the kingdom. It's about him and his glory. And what can I do, Jesus, to partner with you, making sure that your kingdom comes and your will is done on earth, just as it is in heaven. So like Mary, each of us need to be asking not what's in it for me, what's most convenient for me, but Jesus, what can I do to become a contributor? So here's the big question that all of us need to ask ourselves. I put it on your outlines. How can I make more room for Jesus in my life so I can in turn bring Jesus to the world? Say that again. How can I make more room for Jesus in my life so I can in turn bring Jesus to the world? Now, Unlike Mary, you're not going to have to physically carry Jesus into the world. But what Jesus does want for you to do is to bring his mission and his message to the world. Does that make sense? It's not about you physically carrying Jesus around. It's about you bringing his mission and his message to a lost and hurting world that's out there. You're going, okay, Gilbert, how are we going to do that, though? Well, look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 to 15. Paul writes, how can people have faith in the Lord and ask Him to save them if they've never done what? If they've never heard about Him? And how can they hear unless someone does what? Unless somebody tells them. And how can the message be proclaimed if the messengers are not what? Sent out. As Scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who announce the good news. Last week, I shared with you that one of the ways that as followers of Jesus, that people will know that you're truly a disciple of Jesus is by your love for one another. Jesus says, this is how the whole world will know that you're my follower, because of your love for one another. So we talked last week that that's about showing the world the love of Jesus. But if you remember, I said to you that eventually they're going to go, what's different about you guys? Why is it that you love each other? So what do you have that I don't have? And it's in that moment that Paul here is writing. He says, now you got to be able to share why you have the faith that you have. That this is the reason for the the hope that I have inside of me. You need to be able to to verbally tell people about Jesus and how he's changed your life. And listen, this isn't just about salvation. I mean, salvation's great, right? That Jesus is going to forgive me of my sins. And when I die, I'm going to have eternal life with him forever. That's great. But it's more than just that. It's like an infomercial, right? But wait, there's more. (laughs) Jesus came to transform us right here and right now. It's not just the get out of hell free card. It's not just about eternal life. It's about an abundant life right here and right now. And he says, I want to partner with you to proclaim that good news to others. I want you to not just be my follower, but I want you to go out and, and help to create other followers and help those followers to grow. Again, it's not being a, a spiritual infant your whole life. Your job and my job is to go out and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. You're going, okay, go over what exactly is a disciple? Well, it's very simple. A disciple literally is means a, a follower of somebody, an apprentice of somebody. So This series, Follow Me, we are to be apprentices of Jesus. But to be a disciple, it means this, that you are following Jesus, you're being changed by Jesus, and you're on the mission of Jesus. It's not just about you getting a get-out-of-hell-free card. It's not just about you. It's about you, yes, following Jesus. That's great. But it's not just a prayer that you pray. It's now a lifestyle. It's follow Jesus. It's being changed by Jesus. Then it's being on the mission of Jesus. You and I are called to be a part of Jesus' mission. His whole plan, and we've talked about this before, there was no plan B, was to raise up just a handful of disciples and teach them how to do the same thing wasn't about Jesus coming and discipling every single person who ever lives. He said, no, 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 I'm going to raise up 12. And those 12 will raise up 12. And then those 144, they'll raise up 144 more. And it just keeps growing, shall we say? Exponentially, thank you. That's been the plan from the very beginning, that disciples will make disciples who will make disciples. I love what Paul says here. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who are discipling others. You're going, is he like being literal there? And no, he's not being literal. Feet are ugly. He's not being literal here. What he's saying is is simply this. There is beauty in the availability of the feet that have the willingness to go out and disciple others. Does that make sense? The the beauty is in the availability. The beauty is in the willingness to say, I'm not going to remain a spiritual infant any longer. I'm going to grow up and I'm going to go out and I'm going to start to walk in Jesus' path. I'm going to walk in the mission that he has for me. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Now, let me illustrate it for you this way. How many of you know that there are some things in life that are beautiful but not available. Beautiful, but not available. I'll give you a great example. If you were fortunate enough, like me, I had both my grandparents that, that left. I was in my 30s until um, my grandparents started to pass away. So I was very, very fortunate. But how many of you, if, if you had grandparents, and especially your grandmother, there was a china cabinet at the house? You know what I'm talking about? There's a china cabinet there in the dining room, and inside a china cabinet is what? What's the obvious thing? China, right, fine china. And guess what? Never, ever got used. The china, you never ate off of that. Why? Because it was beautiful, but don't you dare eat off of it. It's beautiful, but unavailable. Now, that's sort of funny when we're talking about grandma's fine china. But here's what we need to realize. Jesus has made each of us beautiful. He's forgiven us. He's cleansed us. He's purified us. <coughs> but our attitude, <coughs> excuse me, our attitude is often, can somebody get me a water? <coughs> our attitude is, oh, wow, <laughs> uh, <I'm> a, stat. <laughs> Swallow. <coughs> yeah. Hey, let's give Steve a big hand here. Serving, he's not just a consumer, he's a contributor. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Cheers to those of you online. Welcome, welcome to you guys. Now, where was I? <laughs> Grandma's China, right. So Jesus has purified us, he's made us beautiful, he's he's purified us, he's forgiven us. And our attitude is often, Jesus, thank you for making me available, or uh, beautiful, but I'm not available. Because I've got my own agenda, I've got my own plans, I've got my own thing that I want to do. But do you really think that that's why Jesus saved you? Did he save you so you could have your own agenda? Or do you think that he saved you because he's like, hey, I want you to partner with me. I want you to be a part of Team Jesus and do what it is that I would have for you to do. But for many people, they're like, I'm just simply not available. We come up with all kinds of excuses. Sometimes it's actually sort of the complete opposite. Maybe that's why I needed the water. I was about to use a water illustration about somebody that was in desperate need of water. <laughs> Imagine in the middle of the night, you, your kid or your, your grandkid is having a desperate coughing fit. And it wakes you up, and you go, I need to get them some water. So you walk into the kitchen, you open up the cupboard. You go to reach for the glass, and the glass starts to talk to you. And the glass says, it's late. This is not a good time. You, you can't use me right now. Or, or what if, you know, you're like, hey, but my kid, my, my grandkid, they're having this coughing fit. They're in desperate need of water right now. I, I just need you to be a container to, to get what they need to them. And what if the cup continued to talk back to you and said, you know, I'm a little dirty. I'm a little broken. There's better cups here in the cupboard than me. Why don't you use somebody else? That'd be absolutely ridiculous. The purpose of a cup is to be a container to transport water, in this case, to somebody who desperately needs it. And what we need to realize about our lives is that oftentimes we do the same thing. We go, oh, Jesus, you know, not a convenient time right now. I'm too dirty. I'm too broken. I've got other plans. Or, you know, there's other people that could do this much better than I could. And Jesus just going, look, I saved you to be a vessel. I saved you to be a container to take my grace and my love and my mercy to a lost and hurting world. That's who you are. He'll do all the work. You're just to be the container. Listen, if you're ever going to go from being a consumer of religious goods to being a partner with Jesus and contributing to the advancement of His kingdom, then you're going to have to heed the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 12. Look what he says. He writes, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as what? To offer your bodies as a a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. For you and I to, to truly be a living sacrifice, it means that every single day we've got to say, Jesus, less of me and more of you. It's not about what I want any longer. It's not about my needs and my desires. Jesus, it's all about you. What is it that you would have me to do? That's the attitude you have to have. Jesus, what would you have for me to do? Because I'm going to do it. And Jesus has going, okay, great. Uh, I'm glad that you've gotten to that place. But now just make sure that what you are doing is actually what I've commanded you to do. See, a lot of times we're like, Jesus, you know, whatever you want me to do. And he says, do this. And you're like, no, nah, I'd rather actually do this. Jesus like, no, I, I need you to go here. Well, Jesus, you know, it's not convenient right now. I was planning on going over here. So in our minds, we often say, Jesus, I'll do whatever it is you want me to do and say whatever it is you want me to say. Give whatever it is you want me to give. Serve whoever it is you want me to serve. Go wherever it is you want me to go. We say that intellectually. but Then oftentimes we're like, no. Nope not really convenient. So Jesus says, look, you, you've got to do what it is that I've commanded you to do. And Gilbert, what is it? Well, thankfully, he told us exactly what he wants us to do. It's called the Great Commission. Look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20. Jesus says, go and do what? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. I cannot stress this enough. The number one reason that you're on this planet is to be a disciple maker. Jesus says, you go and make disciples of all the nations. And notice I said that you're called to be a disciple maker, not just a disciple. It's one thing for you to be a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus. But to be a true disciple means that you're then making other disciples. Look at what Jesus said there. Go and, and, and teach them to do everything I've commanded you to do. He had just commanded them to make disciples. So it's your job, it's my job that we all make disciples. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I've said this to you before, and I heard it many years ago. It was, uh, I don't know, probably four or five years ago, Nate, we had a, up at the ERC conference there in the, at camp. It was a guy by the name of David Nelms. And he said this thing, and it, it just it stuck with me. And it, it's so weird. I'm going to say it really fast to begin with, and then I'll slow it down for you. But here's what he said. If you're not making disciples who make disciples, then you're not a disciple because disciples make disciples. Let me say it again. If you're not making disciples who make disciples, then you're not a disciple because disciples make disciples. You're not truly following Jesus if you're not a disciple maker yourself. But many of you are not disciple makers. You know why? Because you're still a spiritual infant. Do we expect any of our five less than one-year-olds right now to be reproducing? Hopefully not, right? Right? I mean, it's just biologically not even possible. Ultimately, they have to grow up and mature, and then they start to reproduce, and that's what all of us should be doing. Spiritually, we can't remain an infant. Spiritually, we can't remain a a, a young toddler Or a preteen. Eventually, we've got to become an adult spiritually. Paul, at one point, he writes about this. He says, man, you guys should be teaching the Word of God by now, but you're still like on spiritual milk. What are you doing? So we've got to all grow up. We've all got to become disciple makers. Again, this is not optional. This is Jesus' command to all of us. I've been saying it now for the last 11 years here at Exponential. We're all full-time ministers of the gospel. I don't care who pays your paycheck. Your job is to be a minister of the gospel no matter where you're at. Let me ask you a question. How big is Exponential Church? How big? How big are we? You know, typically, you know, right now, I'm guessing there's probably 30 or 40 of you in here, pre-pandemic, you know, we'd have 60 or, you know, 70 people that would show up, you know, on, online. You know, we get another usually 20 to 50 people or so that are showing up. And so you may say, well, Exponential is the church of, eh, about about 100. Well, if it's 100 then it only takes me and, and Nate and Bill and you know a couple others to make sure that everybody's sort of ministered to. But remember, our job isn't to do the ministry. Our job is to equip you to do the ministry. And if you're a full-time minister of the gospel, that means that every place you go, you're the pastor of that place. Everybody online, whatever city you're in, wherever you work, You're the pastor of that place. And so each of us probably, you know, have closer relationships with maybe about 20 or so people. You got some, you know, a couple neighbors, you got some co-workers, you got some family members, you got some friends that are right around you. Well, you're to be the pastor of each of those people. Well, now start to do the math. How big is exponential? 100 times 20. 2,000 people. That's how big we are. But how many people are we actually ministering to right now? 50 to 100. Why? Because I can't go everywhere. I can't be the pastor of every place. It's your job to be the pastor of the place. It's your job to be making disciples. Now that's sort of overwhelming for some of you. You're like, that that's scary. That like I've got to go to the whole world and, and, and reach. I didn't say go to the whole world. I said go to your 20. Your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members, your friends, those are the people you are called to minister to. You're the pastor of that place. And if you'll pastor your place, and you'll pastor your place, and you'll pastor your place. All of us together, Jesus said, you'll do even greater things than I did. We're all called to make disciples. And listen, you can't reach everybody, because if you try to reach everybody, you're going to reach nobody. But everybody can reach somebody. You say that again. If you try to reach everybody, you'll reach nobody. But everybody can reach somebody. You're to be an influence. You're to sort of pastor that that group of 20. But is there even just even one amongst them that has a hunger for the things of God that you can help them to, to follow Jesus and be transformed and changed by Jesus and then get on the mission of Jesus? that you could out become a disciple maker yourself. It's not just you following Jesus. Now you're helping others to follow Jesus. You're going, go, how in the world would I do something like that? Well, around here, we have a pretty simple tool for you. You get out your smartphone, you go to your app store, whether it's you know in the Android or Apple worlds, you can download an app. It's called Small Circle. And what Small Circle is, is a 24 lessons on what it means to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus. And those 24 lessons are broken into four different six-part sessions. The, The first six lessons are about God. What do you need to know about God? The next six are how to have a good relationship with God. What are the habits that a disciple of Jesus would have? The next six after that then is how do you have a relationship with others? Basically the things that we talked about last week. It's not about following Jesus by yourself. How do you have good, strong relationships with others? So there's six lessons on that. And then the final six lessons are then how do you become a disciple maker? How do you identify the right person? How do you then disciple them? 24 lessons altogether, together. And you can take somebody from brand new in the faith to a not just disciple, but them now being a disciple maker themselves. Those 24 lessons are designed to be done every other week, so 48 weeks or 11 months. But here's what I always say with that. If you were able to actually disciple somebody in just 11 months, they probably didn't need to be discipled. They were probably already a strong enough disciple themselves. And here's the beauty of of one-on-one discipleship. There's no rush. There, there, there's absolutely no rush. Let's take this section over here. Let, let's say that this was a life group over here, and, and Mike's the life group leader, and I'm a part of the life group myself. Mike teaches a great lesson one week, and everybody's like "Not in their head. Yeah, we get it, we get it. And Gilbert's like, oh, I don't get it. And Gilbert's not living out that lesson. Mike has a choice now as the life group leader the next week. Do I go on to the next lesson? You know, so everybody else that got it, you know, they get something new, but then we're leaving Gilbert behind, or do we go, this might go, you know what, we're going to repeat that lesson over again. We're going to do more study on that lesson, so Gilbert gets it. But you know what happens then? The rest of the group is what? They're bored. They're going, why are we doing this again? We already know this. We're already living this out. So when you're doing group discipleship, there is some drawbacks. When you're doing one-on-one discipleship, guess what? Gilbert gets stuck. Mike can go, we're just going to keep camping out here until you get it. And so I've taken three guys now through small circle here at Exponential. And each of them has taken about 18 months. And that's not a knock on them. Again, it's a thing of, we don't just want to rush through all the lessons. We want to make sure they actually become not just disciples, but disciple makers. And so unless they're living out each one of the principles, how are they going to then disciple somebody else if they're themselves not living it out? And so the the guys that you know I've, I've taken through, they'll tell you, man, there's some times that we would take like a, one topic, we would just camp out there for like two or three months, read other books, do other studies until we got it. And we have something pretty cool here. At exponential. And you don't see this in a lot of churches. But the Apostle uh, Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2:2, he says, I want you to take these things which I have taught you and teach it to reliable men who will in turn teach it to others. So you have four generations of discipleship. And we now have that here at exponential. Somebody that I discipled discipled somebody who's now discipling somebody. And we have others of you. That have gotten discipled, and now you're discipling someone. And so small circle is, is awesome, and it's just a tool, right? It's just a tool. But if you're going to be on the mission of Jesus, if you're going to make room for Jesus in your life, you have got to become a disciple maker. And so that tool is available, and it's absolutely free. Here's the really cool part. When you become a disciple maker, I put it on your outline this way. When I make myself available for Jesus, my reward is closeness to Jesus. How many of you have ever been a part of a team or maybe you're in the military or something and, and you realize that, you know what? When we're doing the same thing, we're on a common mission, I get pretty close to those people. You know what I'm talking about? in sports, in the military. Those are lifelong friendships, closeness that you get in those situations. And that's what you'll get with Jesus. When you say, Jesus, I want to partner with you because you're asking me to do this. When you partner with Jesus, when you're on Team Jesus, you get a closeness to Jesus that you've never, ever had before. In other words, availability to the plan of God will put you directly into the hand of God. There's just something about being a part of his mission, that suddenly his presence will feel closer than ever before, his voice will be more clear than it's ever been. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, Paul writes, May the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the presence of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, I love this verse for a couple reasons. Number one, you see all three members of the Trinity identified here. Then I also love it because we see these three attributes, these three things of God. Two of them we're we're pretty familiar with, the, the love and the grace of God. But then Paul talks about, I pray that you have the presence of the Holy Spirit That word presence there is a common Greek word that I often use. It's one of my favorite ones. We just don't normally translate it as presence. It's the Greek word koinonia. And I've shared with you before that koinonia is fellowship. It's communion. It's community. Again, here it's presence. But there is one other way that it often is translated, and it's the word partnership. What Paul writes here is that I pray that God the Father, through his Son Jesus, will help you to partner together with the Spirit in order to be on the mission that God has called you to. And I find that absolutely amazing because God does not need us, right? He doesn't need us, but yet he wants us. And he wants us to partner with him. What an incredible opportunity! All of us have and so we're not alone I'll close with Jesus' words to his disciples and I believe he's saying these same things to you. you know right before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he told the disciples he's like, I want you to go in Jerusalem and wait for my promise of the Holy Spirit to come. In other words, I want you to go into Jerusalem and make room in your life for Jesus for the for the for the spirit says make room. Create some space. And he says this in Acts 1 8. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be filled with power, and you will be my witnesses for me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Exponential, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. To be in partnership with the Spirit, to make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples who make disciples. And again, that can be scary. But fear not, you're not alone. The Spirit in you will give you the strength, the power, the courage, the wisdom, the knowledge to share the words that you have for you to share. Like Mary, we are to carry Jesus into the world. We can't remain spiritual infants. We've got to say, yes, God, what it is you want for my life. I'm willing to do let's pray together, Father. We thank you so much for this day and for this opportunity to over these past four weeks just look at what does it mean to be your follower and Jesus, we don't want to just get all the the benefits of salvation. We want to not just be consumers of religious goods and services, but now we want to be contributors we want to grow up and in, and in reproduce. And and we want to then become spiritual grandparents and great grandparents. We want to become multipliers. And so, Father, I pray that each and every one of us today has been convicted about where am I in that journey? Am I still a spiritual infant? Do I need to to grow up and, and start feeding myself and start caring for myself? Not remain just, you know, only thinking about myself And Lord, I pray that your spirit would just give the next step that those people need to take. Lord, there's others that they have matured, they have grown, but now they just haven't reproduced. They're not making disciples who make disciples. And so, Lord, I pray that they would have a conviction in their heart that I've got my my group of 20 that I need to pastor, and there's somebody in that group that right now I need to be discipling. And so, Lord, I pray that they would take the next step to, to download the Small Circle app or, or to look. There's other ways. Again, it's just a tool, but there are other tools that are out there. How do I fulfill the role that Jesus would have for me to fulfill? Lord, for those that are already reproducing and multiplying, I pray that you give them a next step as well. Of How do I continue to help other people understand that It is all about the Great Commission. And how do I never become content myself to to always have somebody that I'm discipling and somebody that's discipling me since none of us have arrived? Lord, I pray that we would get back on mission for you. Realize what it is that you've called us to partner with you through the power of the Holy Spirit to make a difference here in Harrisburg, in our nation, and all around the world. Help us all to reach that one person that you've called us to reach, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.